This week's episode of the Lone Star Outdoors show proudly brought to you by Kent Cartridge and Fast Steel 2.0. Back when uh, I first got into serious waterfowling in college, Kent Cartridge made the most affordable premium load on the market. They are still doing the exact same thing with Fast Steel 2.0. It's the evolution of the OG of premium waterfowl loads and Fast Steel. Uh, but if you want a hard-hitting waterfowl load that doesn't leave you chasing cripples but doesn't hurt the pocketbook at the same time, check out Kent's Fast Steel 2.0, available in all of your favorite shot sizes. It's widely available at Cabela's, Bass Pro, Shields, you name it. And uh, you can find their entire dealer list at kentcartridge.com. Man, my friend Jerry called a western diamond back. Didn't make much trouble once we got her in the sack. We drove back to Jerry's house and found that recipe. Drowned the snake in mezcal and the rest is history. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cable Smith welcoming everybody into episode 597 of SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. Presented by Mossberg Firearms, Rattlesnake Tequila, little Brian Burns getting things going for us. Thank you so much for being here. As man, it's that time of the year. Bow season is in full swing for most people. Archery seasons, anyway. Uh, maybe you have an MLD property. You're already rifle hunting. Shoot, I know other states have they've been hunting for a month. Kentucky, I love seeing those velvet bucks come out of the bluegrass state. Um, a lot of folks still chasing mule deer and elk out west. Rifle seasons have opened up for uh, a lot of those western opportunities. So, great time of the year. The best time of the year. Uh, Henry and I are headed out to the lease as soon as we get off the air today. We're going to put up a pop-up. We've got, uh, I haven't really seen a buck that excites me so far this year on, on that property, but we've got this big boar who is religiously running everything off of one feeder site. So I think we're going to uh, try to deal him a dirt nap here this evening or first thing tomorrow morning. Hope many of you have similar plans. Um, but anyway, we've got a great show lined up for you today. And I will tell you all about it. But first, you know what to do. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of that Black Rifle coffee. Black, just like Granddaddy used to drink it. Uh, probably actually pouring it into his old thermos that he passed down years ago. If it's like mine, it's a green Stanley. Still has mud caked on it from duck seasons come and gone. But we're ready to rock and roll. And joining us today, two guests will be here in studio. Our old friend, the 6'5 meme master, Corey Knowlton. A world-renowned big game hunter, traveler, adventurer, and also Todd Bissenden, his buddy and uh, Jim Shockey's cameraman for the better part of a decade. So Todd has been to some far corners of the world chasing critters uh, that Jim had on his bucket list over the years. So I'm sure we'll hear some of those experiences. I don't know what all we're going to get into, uh, but it's probably going to be all over the map, which is kind of exciting to not have a plan today. Uh, so yeah, Corey... And Todd will be here. It's going to be fun. I'm excited about it. Uh, the world is our oyster. That much is for certain. So it's going to be a good one. Guaranteed that. And it always is with Corey. 
uh, and excited to have Todd join the uh, roundtable as well. Um, let's do this. Let's we've got a lot to get into. Let's do a quick giveaway. How about a pair of Walker's earmuffs? If there's one thing I wish I would have done earlier in life, is protect my hearing. I've shot shotguns for 20 years without protecting them, or did. I don't anymore. Um, there's certainly AR blasts that still stand out in my mind as, wow, what an idiot. And now I'm paying the price for it. Like not, My hearing's not gone, but it's not what it was. Uh, I will not let my kids make that same mistake. And today, we've got a pair of Walker Razor Muffs. These things retail for like $79.99. Uh, so a nice set of electronic uh, noise-canceling earmuffs from Walker's. Just email the word Walker's. That's uh, walkers to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. You are entered into today's giveaway. Let's knock out a quick break. And when we come back, Corey Knowlton and Todd Bissenden will be here in studio on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. I'm going to stay on my ground. Stay on my demons down. If you're looking to remodel your home, add a deck or arbor to the back patio, redo your fence, or build your dream home from the ground up, look no further than ECR Construction Group. My longtime bow hunting buddy, Josh Brown, is someone you can trust to deliver honest work on time. ECR Construction Group also serves the North Texas area, specializing in roofing, barn dominium builds, painting, and carpentry. So for your next project, call the folks I trust. That's ECR Construction Group at 214-732-7370 or at ecrcg.com. There's something nostalgic about the old-timey general store, and that's exactly what you're going to find in downtown Goldwave, Texas at the Mills County General Store. They're licensed FFL with rifle, pistols, and shotguns, ammo, gun accessories, hunting accessories, deer, corn, and attractants, sporting goods. They've got a wide array of knives to choose from, plus insulated apparel for both work and camo for hunting season, fishing supplies. They've got foods like Anchor Tea, grass-fed beef, Dublin sodas, gourmet sauces, and a whole lot more. Also, Ace Hardware. From wall to wall, they have it all. Check it out. The Mills County General Store right there in Goldweight, Texas. Hey, this is Phil Hamilton, and you're listening to my good friend, Cable Smith, on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Cable Smith, welcome everybody back to SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. A little help there from my buddy Phil Hamilton, running the name of that tune. Great stuff there. Uh, thank you guys for being here. Thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mossberg Firearms, and their new 940 Pro Waterfowl. Available now. This is the evolution of Mossberg's semi-automatic platform. They are retiring the 930 and 935 now. You can get the 940. Here's the great thing. This, well, this thing's a sweet shooter. I use it during dove season. They sent me a little prototype. I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, but here's the cool thing. I don't like cleaning my shotguns any more than I have to. You might be the same way. This platform, this semi-auto loading platform, is designed for you to be able to put 1,500 rounds through it before you have to clean it. 
couple that with a price tag that working man can't afford uh, when it comes to a semi-auto shotgun. And you've got a real winner. It's the Mossberg 940 Pro Waterfowl, available this fall. All right. Well, let's bring on today's guest. They are here in studio. A longtime friend, big game hunter, uh, humorist, <laughs> adventurer, Corey Knowlton, the meme master. And he's brought his buddy, a longtime backcountry guide, cameraman, jack of all trades when it comes to the outdoors, Todd Bissenden. So, Todd, welcome aboard, man. Uh, Corey, eh. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you, Cable. So, I've been following your Instagram, Corey. It looks like you've been, you spent more time in Africa in 2021 than you have back home. Todd and I are about to go again, and we're going to crack, we're going to push 150 days there this year. Good Lord. That's awesome. In the field hunting, yeah. yeah. It's been good. There's been a lot of opportunities since COVID. Yeah. It's probably been the best time to hunt there ever. In my life, anyway. Maybe I shouldn't say ever, but in the years I've been going. Well, I don't have the experience that you have over there, but I think I've gone five times now. And February was the best hunting I've ever seen, just because the animals had been unmolested for a year. hundred percent. They forgot what the gig was. They forgot what the gig was. It was so comfortable. Yes. But they, you know, they figure it out again, but it was, it was, you know, it was very, um, I think it was very interesting to see, to go over there. I, I was the first person into Zimbabwe, first person into Zambia as far as hunters and, um, and then Botswana, you know, we went and did the very first elephant hunt when it opened up. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of in the early phases of all that stuff. And, uh, it was amazing to see the difference than just two years made, you know, from the last time I was there. It was pretty cool. We were first into Zambia last fall too. Well, so yeah, talk about elephant because it seems like 50, 60 years ago, what, what's the Holy grail? hundred inch, hundred pounds, hundred, sorry, hundred pounds, yeah. hundred pounds, hundred pound on one tusk. Yeah. Yeah. And those used to be quite common. Now they're I would say, I don't know about quite common. You know, if you, there's books that have all this information in them. And if you look at like, um, you know, like you're in the SCI guy, if you look in the SCI book, there's less than a hundred ever that were sport hundred and, and entered that were over 130 pounds. So if you think about how many elephants were around that, that's not very many. I think a hundred pounds back in like the fifties to sixties and even early seventies, if you went to like a Tanner river in Kenya or you went to Ethiopia, Asabi, yeah, Ethiopia was the last kind of big one there. Mm. And, um, and you could go and say, it's something we might get right. If we really, everything stars align and we're lucky and we hunt hard. Um, now I would say it's virtually unobtainable and, and, and you can do it. But to give you an instance, from what I understand, there was about 5,000 elephants killed last time when Botswana was open. I think there was 300 pounders. Wow. So, and, you know, everybody looks at Botswana as being this great elephant place, which it is. Yeah. But uh, it, it wouldn't have been the best for 100 pounders. You know, actually, there would have been more in Zimbabwe, more in Namibia. Mm -hmm. So, anyway. So, Botswana has like, what, 130,000 elephants? Man, you know. It has so many elephants that you can't believe how many elephants are there. See that that whole that whole strip there is is uh, called Kaza, and it runs from it runs from Namibia then to the top of or through bot, the bottom of Botswana and then over to um, uh, over to Zambia. 
it's just completely full of elephants. Where we're about to go now in, in Zimbabwe, there's, there's 50,000 elephants there in the dry season. It looks like a, a, a hurricane. It looks like a nuclear bomb has gone off. It's destroyed everything. There's so many elephants, you, you can't imagine it. And, and everything that I've read says it can support like 60,000. So it's like over double what the, uh, you know. That, that's a big issue with it because it's, a, it's, it's almost a man-made problem in a lot of, in a lot of sense. Say they put those water holes in these parks for people to go visit. Uh-huh. The water holes made it in the middle of well, so the Kalahari, for instance, to where it, now there's water here so it can sustain more elephants. Well, there's water, but then there's not a much, as much food. So one of the things that we've been doing is redesigning these water holes to where there's not this big line of elephants that are destroying everything around it and around where that water hole's at. It's, there's no cover. There's no food. There's no anything. So they walk kilometers across the barren nothingness that they've all destroyed. But that's because the water holes weren't made to, for an elephant to go up there and drink and leave. They're made for it to. They're made for it to get up there, and they stand around, and so there'll be 30, 40, 50, 100 elephants waiting on one to finish. Right. So all this is in the process of changing and, and being better, so it doesn't destroy the habitat. But it, again, that without the water holes, we wouldn't have the elephants. I'm also seeing a lot of reports of people being killed by elephants. Like that's escalated because now they're leave, like you said. There's not enough food in the ideal habitat, so they're being pushed to marginal habitat like croplands and stuff like that. And then you have increased human wildlife conflict, and more people get trampled. I, I think that's. I think you're just hearing about it more. I think it's always. I mean, I, I always hear about it happening. Yeah. You know, and you don't want to be an elephant soccer ball. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I shot a giraffe in July, and we did that from a, a very educational, conscious perspective like why would someone shoot a giraffe well I, I, all you hear is giraffe are in danger giraffe are in danger well i use the analogy of yeah well mountain lions are endangered in florida of course you and and giraffe are endangered in certain parts of northern africa what does endangered mean anyway you have to i mean there, there obviously there's a definition i know what it is but if you ask the average person they, they couldn't give you it, they would say well it's, yeah. al- it's almost extinct right yeah right. it's not the case yeah so so anyway Places where you can hunt, giraffe are thriving. South Africa, uh, Zambia, Namibia, I'm sure all, we, we looked at the numbers, all of those countries have thriving giraffe populations. Um, yes. Places like Kenya, no. Well, and I've never sure. been to Chad or Kenya or Niger. Well, or well yeah, those, Ken- the, yeah, they're, they're, Kenya's not going to have hardly anything for wildlife outside of the parks. Yeah. There are a few kind of private land where people are taking care of it, but no. They made that decision a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's do this. Um, now that we're rolling here, let's take a quick break. We'll come back, and I want to hear some of the worst outfitted hunt experience that you've each encountered. Corey, we've heard some of yours in the past, but certainly Todd being on the road with Jim Shockey for uh, a decade, uh, there's got to be some nightmare experiences that uh, you can share with us. So we'll do that after the break. That segment brought to you by Vortex Optics' new fall vortex wear lineup like this uh, awesome flannel that i'm wearing today so in addition to the uh, caps t-shirts and hoodies that you've come to love from vortex they've also got all kinds of leisure wear khakis uh shorts you name it they've got it all button up short sleeve long sleeve flannels like i said like this one uh and here's the cool thing you'll save 20 percent off your entire vortex wear order when you use my promo code lone star 20 at checkout and of course that's at vortexoptics.com 
We'll be right back with more from Corey Knowlton and Todd Bissenden on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Then this 10 Chevy's F-150's Flatbed Dodge Ram Dirt Road Ditties Headlights, taillights, daddy's Eldorado Dashboards, ditches, or silver, silver rides Down by the lake, down by the river Spawn is right around the corner. Your reels have been re-spooled and the tackle box is ready to roll. But the question is, can your truck handle another season of pulling your boat in and out of the water every weekend? Call David Boone at Third Coast Diesels. He'll make sure your truck is not what sinks your next fishing trip. Offering a widespread array of diesel parts and services, call 214-326-1176 or visit thirdcoastdiesels.com today. Star Night Vision and Thermal Imaging Technology has been helping me light up the night for over a decade. Uh, currently got two incredible units, the Helion 2.0 Thermal Monocular. Like, you can detect things out in a field over a thousand yards. It's insanity. Plus, pairing that with a Thermion XP50 Thermal Rifle Scope. Dude, it's like poor pigs, to be honest with you. Coyotes as well. It's, uh... The technology alone has come so far in the last few years, and the price has gone down, so the working man can't afford it. The Thermion has internal recording. It has a diverse color palette. You want to do red hot, white hot, black hot, which is my favorite. You know, there's other ones as well. It's got too many to even count off the top of my head. It is the creme de la creme when it comes to thermal optics. It's the Thermion XP50. You can find it at PulsarNV.com. I've tracked blood in on the floor I put my fist through the wall I've dragged trouble through the door I've spilled wine on it all There's little Guy Clark bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith, riding shotgun with you as always. Thanks for being here. Uh, we've still got Corey Knowlton and Todd Bissenden in studio with us, and we'll jump back into that conversation momentarily. But first, this segment brought to you by Stealth Cam and the new Reactor wireless trail camera. This thing, so easy. Literally take your phone out, scan the QR code on the camera, and your app locates it. <laughs> it's like foolproof. Picture quality is amazing, and it retails for, I think, $159.99. It's awesome. It's the Reactor. You can find it for both AT&T and Verizon models at uh, StealthCam.com. And with that being said, let's pick it back up with Corey and Todd. Let's talk about Outfitter faux pas, because you, you told us last time you were in studio about you and your brother on this mountain and, like, the Hindu Kush or some Tajikistan, or I don't remember where it was, yes. but you're basically crapping crap, your pants. Crap and, everywhere, yes. Uh, so uh, you don't. We don't need to revisit that story. Uh, well, it, was, it was a very crappy deal. Well, it's one of the worst stories I've heard from uh, being on an outfitted hunt. What are some of the other ones that stand out in your career uh, as far as worst experiences that you've had? And we I had. When we, I've, I'll move it to Todd. Todd, were you with Jim and Todd was Jim's Shockey's cameraman for almost a decade. Uh -huh. Todd, were you with Jim and Iran? Did you go on that? No. 
Okay. Well, there, right I, Jim fell into a toilet face first while he passed out. And that was one of the worst I've heard. But I can't blame the outfitter. I think that I blame Jim. For Jim, Jim, it's your fault that you fell face first into the toilet. Um, but we talk about it all the time about things that aren't set up right and the big differences between, you know, the, the people who do preparation and then, you know, you go up and you're basically on the same, seeing this place for the same time as the outfitter the first time. You're both mm -hmm. like a new experience for you. Well, it, it just turns into the, where they're just pure salesmen and, and they're not worried about conducting the outfit. They're worried about, you know, booking the hunt and getting you there. And then it's like, okay, well, we'll just figure it out when we're there. Just wing it. Yeah, wing, it's wing it. It's one of the things like I used to say about, or you, you'll hear us saying the scariest thing in the world is when the bank says yes, you know, now you got to do whatever you got the loan for. A lot of these guys are great at selling the hunts and then they're not so great at completing them, you know? And, but I mean, obviously not that we're talking about the lower and most, most people that outfit hunts are pretty good, but it tends itself. It's funny that we talk about it because it, it lends itself to these same issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's once you get off the normal beaten path of the average international hunter, that's when you can get into these outfitters that you're going to have some interesting, you know, experiences with. You get into these countries that no one really goes to. And, and, and we got into a handful of situations to go into these places and they just don't have the experience. They don't have anything. So it, it half turns into, okay, well, we're here for a 14-day hunt or 21-day hunt. And you're in there for two or three days. And then you're like, okay, well, this is kind of turned into a self-guided hunt now. You know, we figured out what they're doing, what's going wrong. We're going to adapt our own style. Uh -huh. And, okay, well, we're going to use your knowledge of the roads or the trails. And then we're just going to bring in our hunting style and, and make it happen. Mm -hmm. So that happens in a lot of, lot of different countries around the world just because they're not, you know, yeah, they were an outfitter, but it was hard to call them. And they've hired some local guy to, to pack all your stuff. You, in. Usually, well, usually, you know, if you're talking about Africa, well, if you're talking about Africa, the local guys are where the knowledge is at. Right. The ex-poachers you know, They really are, you know, and it could be ex-poachers. It could just be a guy that lives in the village. It could be whatever. That's that's where your knowledge base My is. My PH always says the, the best trackers are former poachers. Well, I mean, for <laughs> sure, on I mean, 100% like on – elephant and whatnot that would be most of the really good ones are that i mean that but i mean it's it's i hate to say i don't want to it's hard to put yourself in that perspective you know when we go over there you really realize how wealthy we all are and you really oh, well, yeah. well realize that the the power of the american dollar you know the value of coming from a place that has a has a good economy and whatnot but uh you know i don't a lot of those guys who are reformed it's no different than a teenage kid here who makes a bad decision. You know, that's where he was at. That's what he saw. He, he screwed up. And a lot of them, where they turned I, up. I don't turned blame him, man. I don't blame him one you bit. got to survive. Yeah, <laughs> they, they got survival choices. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying that I think a lot of times poaching gets, you know, there's a, a lot of uh, amalgamation of it, you know. At least over we there. We get thrown in with them. And, you know, you and I are poachers. If you mm -hmm. Poacher kills the hunter and lion. I mean, kills lion in Africa. And he was actually a legal hunter, you know? Yeah. And, and so, but either way, yeah, I, I think that if we go back to what we were talking about, remember it was Liberia was the bad one for yeah, you. Yeah, that's right? my worst trip ever. Yeah. Liberia. And, All right. Uh, so I'd talk about that. Liberia. <laughs> what are you hunting in Liberia? Liberia. There's one guy that opened, uh, opened it, um, got the country open and, and, and really worked hard cause it had the zebra diker. 
and the zebra diker is really only in that region. It's really, really pretty looking, but I mean, a lot of people don't understand what it is, but a lot of Google it now, people. It's amazing looking. Yeah. Zebra diker. And like the collectors, the world collectors and the African collectors, that's kind of one of the pinnacle animals of all of Africa, um, is this zebra diker. And that's one of the, that's the only place you could hunt it. And so we went over there and what you do is you, you walk all night long well, generally you'd walk about four or five hours and then you come back nap and then you walk four or five hours or the first thing in the morning. But Jim didn't like that. He's like, all right, we're just going to go do all night long. So Jim Chalk is the hardest hunter ever, especially on himself. If you're with him or whatever, there's, he will brutalize you mentally and physically all day. It's like you, you, <laughs> well, he you just, will take, he, he will take you into his pain. A, he doesn't have a quit in him. You know, he's yeah. None. So unbelievably driven. And anyway, so yeah, he wanted one of these things. And so, yeah, it was just a really, really rough hunt. Really su- super hot, super humid, super rough country. Um, kind of in the armpit of Africa over there. And, and uh, yeah, so we went and spent like 14 nights at, at 13 to 14 hours a night walking through with little dim red headlamps following in through the jungle all night long. We didn't even get one. Speaking of poachers, the only one we saw was a poacher bought, brought one into camp in the middle of the day and uh, <laughs> want, wanted to sell it to us. And... Uh, so that's what it was, but it was just an uncomfortable, rough hunt, not fun, just walking around like a zombie at nighttime, getting lit up by safari that, ants. That, and, that jo- wouldn't it be fair to say that they're correct to say that that jungle hunting experience, especially at nights, like an endless claustrophobia? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and you just feel it's trapped. It's like a red dim headlamp because you you know, and you're just staring at your feet. And as a cameraman, you can't be creative in that atmos- atmosphere. I love the jungle hunts. I love Cameroon going to hunt with the pygmies. That's a whole different ball game. I love that. Mm. Bongo, uh, dwarf forest elephants, uh, Sudatunga, all it, well, that stuff it, it, is a, is it's a badass it, experience. You're talking about stuff you hunt the day. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what I mean. But that Liberia is a is a hole. In all aspects of it. And so didn't even get the zebra diker. No, no, we got two other dikers and these are never get the zebra diker. No. He no. didn't have it. No. Huh. We got like a we got uh we got a couple other Can dikers you while we were there. Doing this? Here's one of the things I remember about I did a hunt like this on Ghana. If you if you guys are still there, you can watch all of our old episodes. If you're on like Amazon or whatever, my outdoor TV, you can see it. And we did one with in, in Ghana, which was put together by the same guy, a guy named Steve Cobrain and Matt gibson the old guy who was or the the new zealander uh who was jim's cameraman too he's following me and we're walking all night long all night we ain't seen anything right we're just trying to get a kill shot because we want to get the tv show over and we go home you know and so finally i see a uh, a cane rat and i'm like this will work you know it's something right and, I, and i'm walking i look at it it just looks up at me like imagine you just like sneaked over and saw a beaver and it just like turns its head up and looks and i'm like dude it's like six feet away it's like this thing's done you know so i was actually letting it get away so i didn't blow it to pieces with a 12 gauge you know so i see it and it's like it's waddling off and i blast it you know and i'm like thank god and i look i look around it and and, and and matt's not there and, <laughs> and he had he had like a hundred yards back he had ran into we crossed this like homemade bridge and he ran into this uh pole that was like a rail that was head high and knocked him clean out Oh my God! Yeah, so so we he was, were looking he was for him. He was, like, the... he was stumbling around there, and I was like, "Well, I, I got it, dude. You know, we can go now, I guess." <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I am intrigued by the the diker hunting. I trying to get the uh, tiny tin. Oh my God! I was thinking about this yesterday. And what a waste of time. It, well, here's the deal: I've is spent mon- I've spent months of my life diker hunting. I'm running out of things to hunt. 
on South Africa's Eastern Cape. Well, then move on. Well, you can come with okay. me. We'll go somewhere. There's a whole, you know, you've got one little corner taken care of. Check that off your list. You know, Here's what does appeal to me, though, is hunting them with dogs, running through the forest with, you just mentioned a 12-gauge. Uh, yeah. So you're, you're tying yourself into the redneck element of it. This is what you like. Screaming people, running around, shotguns going off. I am who I am. There you go. Well, that's fine. I mean, I mean, I'm not, I'm not attacking it. You know, I think it's a fun element of it. I, I think you, I think that uh, there's a lot of things you can hunt with dogs. Diker (laughs) are very small, so at least you're starting with the most difficult. You know. (laughs) Well, let me ask you this: Um, You've taken a lot of leopards, been on a lot, a lot of leopard hunts. I don't know how many your wife has. She's killed three monster leopards. Mm -hmm. Have you ever done those with dogs? Yes, I have. And it's very exciting, huh? Yes, and uh, it's so you've got a little inner redneck in you too. I am. It's very look. uh, Look, it's Machiavellian. I'm accusing you of what I do. (laughs) Do you know? Do you know where he was raised? (laughs) I'm accusing. I I will accuse him of what I do. So I I think. uh, I think that um, hunting leopard with dogs is old it's probably of the two things you're going to question I, I find in hunting outside of if you have to look up at a big mountain and climb you know one is if you never hunted elephant and you see uh, you're hunting where there's a great big bodied elephant right and you see that first elephant the first time it's over there and you got to realize i'm going to go in there and do it it's kind of an imposing experience that you go through and you walk up 20 yards from this thing and it's 13 foot tall or whatever right the other thing is when the dogs are chasing the leopard and they have it bait and you have to go in there and you know you know a jaguar i've hunted jaguars with dogs too or, or darted them you know it's the same thing you're on the hunt you know we just didn't kill it we collared it but the the jaguar will put its attention towards the dogs the leopard recognizes you are the problem and so you know that if that leopard sees you there's a great chance that it's going to come you know even though most times it doesn't the chance is higher than any other animal you know that that thing is mad so the next thing to hunt behind the dogs if you really want to see something amazing is the hunts they do in the kalahari and botswana where they track them with humans the kalahari trackers tracking them Mm. and they basically just track them and you see the leopard there it's it's followed by human wow yeah, I mean, they just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. It jumps. Maybe there'll be one dog that comes in or two just to bark at it or something to get there. But it's not hunted with the dogs. It's more hunted with people. It's amazing. Wow. You can't. They, they dance around in circles and freaking chase them. I was on one one time where they, they there was a male and a female leopard. And those people were able to separate that male from the female themselves walking busting it pushing them pushing them pushing them until and and what i would say well what are you going to do when they charge and they're like well we just lay flat and he said it might scratch us or bite us once but it'll leave us huh yeah <laughs> we just that's that <laughs> it might scratch us or bite us once what is the saying every second a leopard's on you how many stitches is that it's a hundred a hundred or a hundred some odd stitches a second yeah but but i mean you got to think about it. what you ain't gonna run right i mean you, you Running in any dangerous game situation, well, a cat you can't do it. Okay, the only way, like on a, on a, if there's a group of us and it was an elephant, and we didn't want to shoot it, then you can, you can, you know, if, if you don't have it on license and it's a defensive thing, you give it every chance you, get, you can get. So you you can run kind of backwards, you know, but I mean, running is a, 
The dumbest. <laughs> yeah, you're going to die tired. Turn your back on something. That's yeah, yes. you, won't, you won't make it to be tired. <laughs> You'll uh, be done. You, you know, no, you won't. So I don't have anything to compare leopard hunting with hounds. I mean, the closest thing would be a mountain lion. But mountain lion's not jumping out of the tree to attack you. You can climb up the tree and take pictures of it. And that's what the outfitter does. Well, I'm, uh, let me make sure that this is uh, a male here. And he climbs up to within like 10 feet of the thing. And I'm like, dude, you're crazy. He's like, nah, it's just a normal day. You, I think, you know, we've talked about doing the leopard hunt in the past. Cable, for you, it's 100%. Don't, if you enjoyed that, don't do the traditional where the leopard goes up in the tree. Do the, the hunt with either dogs in Zimbabwe or Kalahari trackers in Botswana. You'll love both those experiences. Well, the one thing I don't want to do is do the leopard hunt that you have to pay for twice. So that's like, like well, well, I've heard like if you get a deal on a leopard hunt, yeah, it's great. And then you're going to do that same leopard hunt again. You want to, <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I think on all those big hunts, the bigger the price tag probably that should this should be the case where it's more attractive. You know, you got to do your work and and know this like anything else. You know, if you go you look, you if you for. go looking for a Mercedes at the Hyundai dealer, are you going to find it? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> right, right. I think that's a good place to take a quick break. We'll come back, get into a Colorado elk hunter's experience defending his own life against uh, a mountain lion attack. Some of the reactions on social media was insane, including Instagrams, who just deleted the video off my account, uh, but not before, like, I think 70,000 people saw it. So lots of funny comments in there. So many stupid people, to be honest with you. Uh, We'll get into that, uh, the state of affairs in Australia. If each of you is willing to take a vaccine in order to go hunting somewhere, um, we'll get into all of that stuff after the break. That segment. Brought to you by SCI, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. I'm a proud member. Here's why. No group does more to protect your rights as a hunter, to educate the general public on why hunting is conservation, and of course, supporting that conservation initiative itself. SCI talks the talk and they walk the walk. They put their money where their mouth is. For more information, check us out at safariclub.org. We'll be right back with more on the Lone Star Outdoors show. Rounds in the Cape McCann. Hey, hey, everybody, Cable here for Go Wild. If you're like me, trust me, these clowns have been censoring me for a long time. But if you're like me and you can't seem to make heads nor tails of what the hell's going on, on traditional social media platforms like, you know, the one that Zuckerberg owns. Well, let me tell you about Go Wild. It's a place where like-minded folks are sharing ideas, hunting tips, fishing tips, recipes, all that great outdoor content that you and I both love. You can find it on Go Wild. And here's an even better thing that they're doing right now. They've got an online store. And if you sign up, that's right. It's it's a free account. That's that's all you have to do is just go to a download Go Wild. You sign up, create your account there. You'll get a free $10 gift card to spend on Go Wild's outdoor gear store. Brands like Garmin, Vortex, Irish Setter Boots, Treason, North Mountain Gear, and many, many others. They're all right there in the Go Wild store, and you can use that $10 credit on anything you want. It's that easy. Sign up at downloadgowild.com. 
take advantage of your $10 reward gift card. And, uh, and you, and you build points too. Um, that's another thing. It's a, a rewards program. So the more you spend, the more points you get. You can find it all at downloadgowild.com, and I'll see you over there. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at bobcatadvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of North Texas in Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, McKinney, Paris, and Sherman. Visit bobcatofdallas.com today. little Jonathan Tyler bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. I'm Cable Smith. Thanks for tuning in today. We've still got our old friend Corey Knowlton here in studio and his friend and now my friend and your friend Todd Bissenden uh, here as well. We will jump back into that conversation momentarily. This segment, however, is brought to you by NUMA Outdoors. And let me tell you, when it comes to hunters designing apparel for hunters, Numa does it extraordinarily well. They are passionate bow hunters. That's why their gear is quiet. They expect things to stand up when you put them through the rigors of the great outdoors. And I've now got uh, an African safari and uh, a week chasing uh, bugling bulls in New Mexico. While testing their gear, uh, those trips are in the rearview mirror, so I know the stuff stands up. They also unequivocally support the Second Amendment. Check them out. You can find their entire lineup at NUMA, that's P-N-U-M-A, outdoors.com. All right, well, Corey and Todd, appreciate you sticking around. Let's talk about this viral video, and um, I'm not sure who posted it first. I'm the first person I know of that posted it, Uh, and also subsequently, the only one I know where Instagram flagged it and removed it for coordinating harm and promoting crime, once again, the thing that they always get me for <laughs> but it's funny you can see people getting murdered on instagram all over the place violence human on human violence is uh yeah it's widespread but defend yourself by shooting a mountain lion and that's taboo but as far as this video goes a lot of idiotic comments from people um i know Corey, you saw it before it was taken down essentially this guy is elk hunting he's he's bow hunting in southwest colorado and the video starts with him looking square in the face at a mountain lion that's five yards from him. And pissed. Yeah. And he has his Glock out. How the guy has the wherewithal to video this. Uh, he did an amazing yeah. job. He <laughs> did an amazing job. Great. Yeah. Todd, did, I mean, did you see the video? Uh, I, I had, didn't see it completely through. The service was janky where I was. So, yeah. um yeah, but I saw that. I was like, yeah, he's uh must be pretty confident yeah. in position to, to film it and, and you know, hold the gun steady. He's pretty handy with the steel, too. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. But what was the part where they clipped it out, like right off the bat? The post, you, you could shoot it, and there was like a jump forward. So maybe there was something edited out of that. But you hear the gunshot. He pulls it up to Mount Lyons. Oh, no, that, he, he set the camera down. Or, yeah, or I put saw the that, camera. but even if he puts up, there's like a gap there. Uh, I don't, maybe I don't you know. didn't know. See, you were, you, were, you were putting yourself in his perspective, and your adrenaline was going just mm. watching it, I can see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so 
the dude didn't run. He stood his ground. He shoots the thing one time in the head. And he's telling the cat, hey, you know, he's talking to him. No, he's saying stop, stop. You know, it's funny as you can hear that it sounds like he has, you know, if he's listening, whoever this guy is, I want to know, did you have your elk call still in your mouth? Because it sounded like it. Didn't it sound like that Mm -hmm. when he was talking? He's like, stop, 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 you know. There were some F-bombs and stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, yeah, he said the cat took another step and he shot it. So many idiots commenting were like, he should have fired a warning shot. Should have yelled at the cat. No, Ye- yelling is fine. Yelling can work. Sure, really good. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, I would say firing warning shots in that situation, dude, because it was too close. If it was way over there, I get it. Yeah. But let, let, your job, yes, your job is to look after yourself and be aware of your own safety and try to protect that. Number one. So if he fires the warning shot and the gun jams, now what? A lot of times those animals don't give a damn, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're, that thing's looking at you as either food or it's, you're aggravating it. One or the other. Yeah. And the so, thing stalked him. It, I mean, yeah, he didn't somebody, stalk it. Somebody even said, well, it looks like he just walked up on the mountain lion. Why, why was he messing with the mountain lion? Like, what the hell are you talking about? You don't walk up on one like that. Right. <laughs> mountain lions only are seen when they want to be seen or when you put them up a tree with dogs. The same thing happened with Jim, but it didn't look at him. Remember, with the, oh, he, yeah. he shot oh, that damn island, yeah. that damn with the muzzle loader. Yeah, yeah, and it was coming. Yeah, I remember this. That. This one came at the dude, but I don't understand what people's problem is. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I know, I know they're ignorant of what that situation's lack like. Lack of and common the, yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, lack of common sense, I guess. But I mean, you're everyone who. It's easy to sit here while we're drinking coffee or whatever and talk about it. If you're five yards from that apex predator in its environment and it's snarling at you i promise you ain't thinking about warning shot you ain't thinking about you want to be out of the situation right yeah you want it to be over but you know here's the uh here's instagram putting wildlife the value of wildlife over human life saying oh this is promoting harm well you you are we know your history on there anybody who listens to this and has instagram will see that you don't have the best relationship so i blame you (laughs) well (laughs) when they gave me my infraction i went back and looked at the litany of previous infractions i'm surprised yeah yes it's yeah it's like it's like the cops that pick up somebody in california you know and and there's 34 warrants you're that guy on instagram i know i know that's a it's amazing I still have an account. But you know things they don't like, the second amendment, freedom, you know, conservative values. Speaking of conservative values and freedom, Australia's got a lot of stuff going on here that I know you wanted to talk about. Um, like, I just I just saw I'm, I'm going to keep it to your deal. I saw that what you posted the guy I, getting You're the one that came in here and said Let's No, talk no about I know, but I, I saw it on what you posted. Ma- Corey's uh, making me out to be this redneck. N- you, no, I'm not saying anything. I'm making <laughs> out what happened. I saw what you posted. You posted this this guy getting arrested. Was it in front of his girlfriend or who was else? I was think there? he was just eating a eating lunch. He was with smoking a it, yeah, and, he, and 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 so I guess they didn't think it was. I didn't see it all. Yeah. So make sure Basically, I'm in the right they, kind. Of, they thought a it was burrito fine for and he's eating, smoking a cigarette, but not the smoking a cigarette. So was it okay that he could eat and not smoke a cigarette, or were they both wrong in what they were doing according to their law? Well, he didn't have a mask on, and I guess okay. you're supposed to smoke cigarettes with masks on. Um, but also, they said in the video, he doesn't have any reason to be here. The dude is like, he said he's 500 meters from his house. And that's what the lady in the video also said. She's like, this is not okay. He lives right there. They're outside. And he has supposed to have a mask on? When you can get arrested for this, for being a human being in public, right? 
That's what he did. Okay, he got arrested for being a human being in public. I have friends in Australia. They're very unhappy. I don't know if they're going to have a choice and what's going to happen. Obviously, they get to vote. I hope that that changes, but these people are in a living hell mentally. Canada's going that way. Yeah, so you're from British Columbia. Yep. And I won't be going to... I've Actually, um, right where Jim hunts there on uh, Vancouver Island. I have had a black bear hunt that's going on t- like almost two years now that I haven't been able to go. And the outfitter's like, well, if you just get vaccinated, I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that because uh, I have natural immunity. Yep. There's a, there's a lot of, I work for, I live on the island mm-hmm. um, and I work for an outfitter on the island guiding bears and, and, um, and I was just up stone sheep hunting for a month and a half. And there's a lot of clients as soon as that border opened August 9th. Some were willing to go get vaccinated that day, knowing that the border were open up, but the majority of them were unwilling to, due to their values and their thoughts on everything going on right now, is I'm unwilling to go get vaccinated to go across the border into Canada. And, and uh, yeah, right now, going back home, like after we go to Africa, I go, go back home, I got to go spend 14 days at the house in isolation. Mm. If I was to go get vaccinated, then I wouldn't have to do that. But I'm, yeah, I'm wow. not into that. So Yeah, that's insane. Um, it, Cable, I want to ask you this: Is there a situation, and this is is an interesting thing? It, it, do you ever see yourself getting vaccinated for this disease? Maybe when I'm 55, 60 years old, okay. Or if I gain like 100 pounds, you know, and I'm and health becomes a concern for me, yes. But I also have antibodies, and I have natural immunity. And the thing that people are not talking about, the media is not talking about, is. If you've had COVID, you're probably actually more immune to getting it again than someone that's vaccinated. We know that you can get COVID while you're vaccinated. We know you can spread COVID while you're vaccinated. I don't want to turn this to an entire COVID conversation. No, but but my my, my point is there's there's a point that you could see yourself where you'd say, yeah, if it was right for me, I would get it. Of course. And everyone should make that own decision. That's different than... I'm just never getting it no matter what. You know what I mean? Right. And that, 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 uh, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, psychologically, it's two different places to be. I'm, I'm the, not the effect, anti-vax. Is no, 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 yeah. no. It's, it's yeah, not even that. I it's agree just, as well. It's just, do you, you find yourself in the future? You say, yeah, I, I could be that person, right? I think, I think what, the, what I'm getting at is the divisive, divisiveness of it. Yep. You know, how many people hate, oh, I'm not going to get it. Or if you're, you're hurting me because you, you, you're not getting it or whatever, rather than, just to ask the guy, hey, what is your opinion on it? Mm-hmm. And, and and hear him out and talk about it and move on. There's no reason for us to hate each other, you know. It's, oh, it's, it's the biggest exactly. divisive thing ever. Yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, I mean, I'm glad my parents who are in their 60s have – COVID almost killed my mom. She was in the hospital for a month. So I'm, I'm glad that, that it's available for the, in those situations or for if – you, if you want to be the guy that wants to get vaccinated to go to Canada – Hey, you do you. That's the whole point, right? Is right. you do you. Yeah. That's what's getting lost in all of it. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's a long time coming and hopefully we learn whatever we can learn from this and what I do find interesting going back to Australia is what so what is the the state that's that the outback is in? The uh, Northern Territories. Okay, so they get one case of covid, they lock the whole state down. The whole and it's the there's two million people that live in it. Yeah, mate, there's a there's a virus here, <laughs> and it's uh, I'd say that a few miles down the road we had somebody cough. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna zip tie you all to your beds. <laughs> <laughs> we promise you'll be safe here. <laughs> That's pretty good, dude. 
That's pretty good. Yeah. We promise you'll be safe, and uh, we don't know how you're going to get fed yet, and we don't know how you're going to go to the bathroom, but we are working with Macca's. That's McDonald's. Uh, we're going to get you some food here shortly, yeah. but that we promise the disease, the disease will not kill you. <laughs> <laughs> What, uh, where I was going with this is that, so uh, another conversation I was having with an Australian guy was like, we're all fine and happy here because when he was the one that's like, we got one case and we're, we go to lockdown. And, and then and he says, and I own a gun store and everything's great. Business is great. But when, and I said, Papa, you, you, you're selling muskets and over-unders. He's like, you don't have the ability to defend yourself. You guys gave up that right in the mid-90s. So I thought it was a little... You see, in Australia, we have no problems, mate. Yeah. Except that we're strapped to our beds. <laughs> with, our, <laughs> with our muskets. Yes. Uh -huh. Yes, and they convicted my cousin of murder because he breathed on a person, and that person died. <laughs> He's going to be hung by his neck until <laughs> dead. Oh, shoot. Uh, yeah. It's criminalizing everything is what it is. It is. It yeah. is. What do you think about this? And people that, that they say, "Oh, okay, well, you're too, uh, you're too political. You're, you talk too much about the Second Amendment and conservative values." What does that have to do with hunting? Well, I think it's intertwined. Like, wouldn't you just said that half of your clients, Todd, wouldn't come to Canada because they're, you know, well, they, they, they're. I think they're similar to, to you and you know uh, us here. Is you know you have. You're a relatively young, healthy person, and you weigh you you look at it statistically, and you weigh your odds of this thing doing harm to you, mm -hmm. and you go, okay, well, I think I'm going to take that chance over uh, a possibly experimental something or other. And uh, a lot of the guys are saying, hey, no, I just don't want to, and it's just their their beliefs and and what they believe in, and it's just they're not willing to go against that at this point in time. But I guess the the, where I'm trying to connect the dots is the Second Amendment, conservative values, and hunting all seem to be pretty well intertwined. And that's why people are, when they're bitching at me about, oh, what, this has nothing to do with hunting, I'm like, actually, it does. Because the people that vote against hunting usually are against the Second Amendment. And so it's very easy for me to say, hey, this is all the same thing. It's all connected. And that's why I talk about it. And it seems like, hey, a lot of people in the outdoor industry don't want to touch politics, but you know maybe that's well. Fine. well I, I think there's probably. I don't think you. Obviously, you need to do what you got to do. But if if you're selling guns, there's Democrats that buy guns, you know, and th and there's and there's Republicans that buy guns. I understand if you're selling something. It's kind of like some of the the more intelligent actors just don't say anything. The more intelligent artists, they don't say anything because they want everybody to see it. They want everybody, you know. And at the point that you're going to alienate half of them, I understand where they're coming from. But on the other, but on the other, the other side of the coin is if you're a gun maker and or you're you own an outdoor store that sells firearms and stuff, you, I mean, I don't think it hurts. There's a, obviously a, a strong correlation there that goes back to the very beginning of our country. But I'm not, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm, I have gun sponsors, so I guess I'm, you know, trying well, to sell the, guns. It, it, no, it sounds like you're a sellout. You've just admitted to everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well. I would say yeah, the sellouts you're, you're, are the you're a sellout bag man for the firearms won't. companies. No one listened to this ever again. That's what they want. Have you read Ryan Bussey's new book? <laughs> we <laughs> talked. We talked. We talked about this dude last time. I didn't know who he was. No, no, I don't. I very. I don't. Can I read? I don't know. I don't know. 
So what? How was the book? I, I'm not gonna <laughs> unless someone hands. Why me are you, Why are you promoting it? Well, I find it fascinating that here's a guy that worked for Kimber Firearms for 20 plus years is now writing a book calling the firearm industry right wing extremists that are racist and radicalized America. Think about John F. Kennedy. He was more conservative in many ways than President Trump was. It's not that we're right wing extremists. The Dem, you know, Ronald Reagan said it too. I didn't leave the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party left me. Most of us are in the same place we always were. Our values haven't changed much. It's one of the this things. This is that, a good point. Yeah, we yeah, haven't changed. Yeah, our values haven't changed much, and 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 there's no doubt. Now, Actually, I, I would say our values collectively have gotten more liberal. Well, well, here's here's the thing about li, li, big the big difference in to me in this is. A lot of us, especially here in Texas, if you hear kind of the vernacular, it's like, oh, those liberals, okay? You're a liberal. I'm liberal. Todd's liberal. We're, it's The people we're talking about are leftists. Right. There's, okay? Yeah. We got to get rid of talking about the liberal thing because there's liberal things about yeah. all of us. These people are leftists, anti-American, want to destroy America. That that That's where it's at. It's not that we're... I mean, yeah, I, I don't want to hate. The term liberal is not a synonym for, for Democrat or leftist. A hundred percent. And what you're going to see now with, with some of these things that how they affect you and me, elephant import, animal import, you know, one of the things they're putting out, and I, and I don't know if it's SCI who's put this out, that, there, that there's something in this bill to ban all the import of all animals coming in. Is that correct? Do you know about that yes, or not? Yes. Okay. So, so that actually passed the house. Yeah. So we can't. Last you, week. We're, it's hard to, especially me selling international hunts. It's hard for me not to be political in this, uh -huh. because and, and but that isn't a liberal point of view. The the liberal point of view would be, okay, I these guys hunt and and I don't. It doesn't have to be the way I look at it for it to be okay. I accept that they can do what they want. The leftist point of view is authoritarian control, mm -hmm. and that's what we're talking about now. Yeah, which I just saw in that. Uh what is it like 3000 page build back better deal that there's a pilot program. You're going to like this. This probably already happens in Canada. Uh, Todd. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, they're going to, they're doing this pilot program where they're going to charge people that are enrolled in it up to eight cents for every mile that they drive. Yeah. So how, so number one, why we already well, pay taxes. Well, let's see what Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin do. Cause they are, they now, you know, the whole thing about, the Democrats eating their young or whatever. It's coming out in the news this week. So hopefully this doesn't make it. Well, we'll see. But yeah, so, but how would they track that? They're going to put GPS, their, their goal is to put a GPS monitor on everyone's car. I'm not saying this to like fear monger. That's the only way that they would know. Well, you mean you wouldn't be honest, Cable? You wouldn't call them up every week and tell them I drove my kids here and I went to Montana and I owe you eighteen hundred dollars? Right. No, instead of burner phones, we're gonna have burner vehicles and just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then you would be buying yeah. a Hyundai. Yeah, let's get back to the Hyundai here. I want my my burner. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, I'll tell you, it's Lake Levant, Lake Levant, and Lake Tawaga are gonna be full with burner <laughs> Hyundai's. There's some man. Those drivers are on this big pile of Hyundai's. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so yeah, I, I've 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 said this for a while. Going back to what, what you mentioned about Manchin, I think he's the most powerful man in America right now, as far as protecting the uh, the, tree the of way liberty. you're treated on on Instagram. I thought it was you, but I can I, <laughs> powerful. If I was a bleeding heart leftist that identified as well, I could the identify bleeding as heart parts I is the useful idiot. The leftist. Mm. We need to be aware of what's happening. 
That is the truth. Well, we are going to take a quick break, come back and try to steer this thing back on the rails, uh, but lots of fun there. That segment brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit Lands. The one thing they're not making any more of, but we all want it. So if you're ready to take that next step and make that dream your reality, whether you want a property for hunting, fishing, recreating, running cattle, farming, or just to get the hell out of the big city, they've got you covered. They've been doing it for over 100 years. They'll make that dream come true. Check them out at LoneStarAgCredit.com. We'll put a nice little bow on this thing after the break. You're listening to SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. But it's hard to find down here It's just winners and losers And don't get caught on the wrong side of the line I'm tired of coming out on the losing end Hey guys, Cable here And if there's one service, one company that I rely on heavily When planning my next backcountry hunt It's Onyx Hunt They have, for a long time, set the gold standard When it comes to giving me the information I need To basically predict where I'm gonna find animals. And if you can hone in on where the animals are going to be, you're going to be more successful. Onyx uses their own topo maps, plus, I mean, geographical features like watering holes or a meadow system that works its way down a mountainside where you know those elk are going to be feeding and muleys in the morning and evenings. Yeah, it'll show you that as well. Uh, Plus, of course, private property boundaries. Where does the National Forest end? Where does Rancher Joe's property start? Yeah, it's going to show you that as well. So whether you're planning a backcountry hunt or just picking ambush points to hang your tree stands on your whitetail property, Onyx shows it all to you. They've got different layers you can apply to a a specific grid or a piece of property. It's really rad. And here's the cool thing. You'll save 20% when you order your Onyx subscription by using my promo code LONESTAR20 when you check out at onxmaps.com. Cable here, and if you're listening to this show, you probably like ARs. And I'm not talking about antler restrictions. I'm talking about, you know, ARs, modern sporting rifles. And Timber Creek Outdoors has the best way I've found to take your AR to the next level. It's the Enforcer Kit. It features high-end performance parts and jaw-dropping looks. It's perfect for sportsmen, competitors, firearms, enthusiasts, and people who trust their lives to their equipment, like you and I. When combined together, these parts improve usability, as well as ergonomics, big word there, and dependability of any small framed modern sporting rifle. Timber Creek products are manufactured by Americans in the USA, God bless America, and they implement uncompromising quality control and offer a lifetime warranty. They've got a bunch of different color options, something for everybody. I've got a hunter green enforcer kit on my 224 Valkyrie. Absolutely love it. You will, too. Check out the Enforcer Kit at TimberCreekOutdoorsInc.com. Hey, y'all. Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a -a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. My life's been so sweet I just can't stand it. I must admit I've made out like a bandit. Last night's conversation with a real good friend of mine. Drinking wine, wine, wine. Said 50 years of living and your worst mistakes forgiven, just take time. 
Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back to SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. One more segment to go with the good friends Corey Knowlton and Todd Bissenden. Uh, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks to Mossberg Firearms, our longtime presenting sponsor. And speaking of sponsors, I want to tell you about our newest addition to the show, and that is Black Rifle Coffee Company. Veteran-owned, these guys are, a lot of them are actual heroes themselves, combat veterans. They love the Second Amendment. They love the outdoors. And they want to give back to you because they've given me a code, Lone Star 20, that will get you 20% off your favorite Black Rifle Coffee Roast all year long. Check it out. Black Rifle Coffee, code Lone Star 20. Well, let's get into the last thing I want to talk about today, and it's an unfortunate tragedy. 31-year-old Houston, Texas native Greg Gabrish was hunting in Colorado, bow hunting about three weeks ago. A horrible situation. Nightmare. Uh, he was from Houston. I actually shared his uh, GoFundMe thing on my Instagram story. And his wife sent me a message, uh, how thankful she was. This guy's just out there elk hunting. He gets shot by a negligent dude with the muzzleloader. Here's the one thing I don't understand, Corey. Have you ever just shot at movement in the history of your hunting career? Yes, I have. You have? Yeah, but it was a dangerous situation. I knew it was in there. Right. Okay. Okay. You know, you're there's just, the wounded leopard. Right. <laughs> okay. You're just asking if that, I ever that, have. You know, that's I, I, yes. It was, technically okay. yes, but that's yes, different. Technically yes, yes, absolutely. Uh huh. Okay. But not as a first shot here. There, I think there's an elk over there because you know, yes, it was I a very, it was a very negligent situation. Yeah, yes. I don't understand that, man. I don't understand how that could ever happen. You, so the dude's just sitting there perched, looking for an elk. Right. He's probably actually they're probably calling to each other. You know, if you that's exactly what happened. I'm sure. If you put, I mean, if I'm betting, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I've called in hunters. I don't know if you have. I don't know how much elk hunting you've done, but I've absolutely had it happen. Yes. Yeah. Montana, we're in the middle of nowhere. We're talking to what we thought was this bull elk, and then here's these two dudes. You know, there, Todd, is, there is there there is nowadays not much of the middle of nowhere anymore. You think you're getting off the beaten path? There's someone on. Oh, there's someone on the same. I, I once you. thought my brother was a hog, but if if the wind had been blowing from him to me i would know that that smells worse than a hog <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah they were probably talking to calling to each other and then the guy just shoots blindly at what he thought yeah. was an elk but well I, I hate i hate look i uh, you know neither of us have talked to that dude obviously i mean it, the situation speaks for itself but this is one of the things you got to be aware of man hunting is a dangerous activity you know and and i think that you know, you'll hear people say, uh, like, keep this in mind. It's an activity. It's not a sport. You're not going out there to, I'm beating the elk 10 to 1 today, right? Right. It's it's you, and it, and, it, and it, you have to be aware of what's going on around you. Unfortunately, this guy wasn't aware of the situation. He made a bad decision, and it cost this guy's life. I think that, uh, I think that, I have some empathy for the guy that actually did the shooting. You know he feels horrible. You know that he didn't want to. He, his, he didn't plan to go out there. And was the, was the dude was the? I'm not blaming the guy. Did he have orange on the bow hunter? No, because he was bow hunting. Yeah. So I think this. If you're going to talk about, you know, really a fault here, man. If you're in, if you're bow hunting in a rifle, which a muzzleloader is a form of rifle season, you know. I, I, I think you got to wear orange, man. 
I think you got to be aware of what's going on. I'm not blaming him because he wasn't required. Maybe the state needs to require him, require it. But my goodness gracious, and I'm not saying that I was there. Orange may have not even solved the situation. Yeah. But if you look at all the elements, you know that guy's an older guy, wasn't he? When he like almost seventy years yeah, he was old, sixty-eight. Okay, so you know he, he's probably not going to be able to see as good as a younger person. It was likely in a lower light situation. Who knows what objects yeah, he was yeah, looking yeah, through yeah. to? Who knows what was in the way? But what my point is this: I'm not I'm not saying anybody's right or wrong. What I'm saying is it's a dangerous thing that we need to be aware of, especially on public land. Public you don't, land. Yep. And I mean, even private land. I remember a long time ago. I don't know if you remember this, but it was man. I think it was a guy from McKinney. Maybe he he shot a he shot a kid thinking he was a turkey on his fence line, and he you know he thought he thought the turkey was on his side of the fence even i think and he i think he shot on the other side of the fence and shot the guy mm. but but anyway um it's everybody who goes out and hunts in a public land situation man i would encourage you to wear orange no matter what and i'm not saying that's going to keep you safe from a complete idiot who's going to shoot you but you're doing everything you can i mean i'll be the first one to tell you i'm not going to wear orange bow hunting on public land i'm just not going to do it well, then that's your choice. But there's no muzzle loader season that coincides with yeah. The I'm, orange yeah. is not going to affect your outcome of the hunt. And and a guy holding a gun, you you got to be responsible when you pull that trigger because you cannot put the bullet back in the gun. So yeah. you got to be you got to be a hundred percent sure of what this, you're shooting to before you get hundred percent. That guy's at fault. He pulled the trigger. Period. I don't care if you were wearing a clown suit or you yeah. were taped, painted yourself the color of the tree and sitting there. That guy's at fault. He pulled the trigger. Hundred percent. My point is, cable. You don't. You, you can go out there, and if you want to come home to your family and you know there's other idiots out here who've been drinking all night who wake up and they're going hunting. You know this happens. There's every kind of moron in the world when you're dealing with the public, and 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 there's also really smart and aware people too. But I think you got to be prepared for all types. I mean, if there's anything that's a wake-up call, it's a situation. Well, here's what I would take away from it is maybe Colorado needs to revisit whether having a muzzleloader season overlap with both season is a good thing. I think if the guy's going to wear orange, it's fine. If you're going to make him wear, what does it matter? Is it, is it the point of what you have in your hand or is it a point of what the other person has in their hand? The point is, okay, I'm wearing because I have a bow. Now I don't have to wear the orange. The other guy's got to wear the orange. Okay, I, if if I'm shooting a bow, I'm going to see him. I mean, I, I've ne- I, I'm sure it's happened, but I can't imagine accidentally shooting somebody with a bow that you thought was an elk. <laughs> I actually right. thought I saw something online. Okay, okay yeah, exactly. Oh I'm sure I'm sure it's happened. But my my point is, it, I think it helps you be aware in a situation where you have a firearm or a weapon in your hand that you can kill somebody. And and I, I don't know that that would have helped that guy at all. We don't know that, you know. But I, I think it's not a bad idea. But, okay, would you, Corey Knowlton, wear orange if you're just hunting in a strict archery season? I don't wear camouflage at all. I would wear whatever. I don't care. I don't. I mean, I, very, I shouldn't say I don't wear it all. I very rarely wear it. If, 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 if I knew that this was an over-the-counter or one-point area and there's a lot of hunters, you're damn right I would. Mm-hmm. I think the the camo thing is, and I I I've gone spoke about it ad nauseum. It's like going into a, seeing a fishing lure that attracts the fishermen. I mean, you it's just to, you used to have a what used to be your 
your target? Was it uh, Kuyu or Sitka? I don't recall. No, well, it was kind of both of them. It was more <laughs> of it was more of a fashion kind of what would we call it? Like a I don't know. Like I I I, I saw the parallels between a New York fashion show and going into Denny's and seeing these guys with their Kuyu vest, you know, hitting yeah. on the waitresses. Uh, oh yeah, I got the new one. I got the Verde. I'm looking good today. And I got a 6.5 creep. That's right. Cerakote. You want to see it in the car, babe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead and bring me that Grand and Slam, then, and then I'll take you for a ride. And then the reactions and the people that jumped on the on the Kuyu bandwagon just let fires, or Corey's fire even more to jump on it and be like... I, dude, I don't have a problem with it. I just think it's funny the way people... <laughs> it's funny the way that hunters, we act about things. I was the... I've been all of these people. Yeah. I've been everyone that I'm making fun on. I have been this person. So okay, you haven't been six five Creed Nation though. Well, I've probably been very you know, especially when I got into it. I've been like, oh, this is better than that or whatever, you know. So that was my next question because you and I have beaten the and and I have a six five and I and I actually a guy's building me one on an AR uh, ten platform as we speak, but. Hasn't he been building this gun for like nine years? No, he. I just had him in here. Okay, I'm oh, sorry. Uh, anyway, so what was the, the gun de jour 20 years ago? Because I, I oh man, remember the ultra mags and the short mags, like but, Re the Remington ultra mags, then the short magnums, uh -huh. they were kind of the de jour. If you go all the way back, it was the Weatherby's. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, and it was, you know, speed kills deal and the guy was right, but at the time they didn't have the bullets for it. So, I mean, yeah, it's going 3,900 feet a second, but you're, it turns into a bunch of fragments when it hits air. <laughs> so, 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 yeah, but now those things, they were so far ahead of their time. And I, I, I look at the, the Creedmoor thing as, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it was an amazing marketing job. Good on you, Steve Hornady. Good on you. You know, I like the dude. He's all right. You know, I mean, good for him. But it's not, it's not I mean, we were watching a commercial yesterday. Todd was over at the house. He's visiting from Canada, and I don't ever put it on the Outdoor Channel. But he had it on. I walk in there's a. It's like a a federal ad for a bullet out to fourteen hundred yards. I'm like, my goodness gracious, dude, is that where it's at? We're now we're shooting animals at fourteen. Yeah, which which if you can do it, and you you know like they have that three seventy five shot tech. I mean, you could probably toast it at two thousand yards. But I mean, is that what we're advertising? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What is the farthest you've ever shot an animal? I don't know. You know, in that thousand range, I guess. Uh -huh. But it was wounded. Okay. Yeah. I've shot well, I mean, it at looked a wounded. wildebeest at 750 yards, I think. And the wind call was wrong. I, I missed it. I think I shot an Ibex like at a long way in the wind, kind of. I didn't factor the wind enough, wounded it. And then I think I shot it again out there like at 900 or something. This was years ago when there wasn't all this stuff. It was like... I'm going to hold six Ibex high and three over to the left. <laughs> With your three to nine scope. Yeah, exactly. and the Kentucky windage. Yeah. So was that out of necessity? Like this is the only shot we're going to get? Oh, for sure. Okay. It's way up on the side. It's an way, Ibex country. Way, yeah, yeah, way. I mean, it's if you don't see it now, it's it's done, yeah. Yeah. So, but like everyday-wise, that doesn't do much for you shooting it. No, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, you can always – I mean, I, I don't – I'm not hating on it. Yeah. You know, it's good, man. I'll tell you, like in Asian hunting, the farther you can shoot, the better. The be I mean, so many people that go on these Marco Polo hunts and they get sad and they get their heart broken. They've been dreaming about their whole life. I mean, you get over there, it's negative 30 and the wind's blowing 25, 30 miles an hour. That's a hard shot, dude. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's uh, you know, 
if there's ever a miss that isn't your fault, it's that. You do everything you can, but there's so many factors into it. So I think the farther you can shoot, the better. But I just don't know if that's like the, the you know, responsible advertising. So do you think that? Do you think that ethics comes in to like is technology so good now that it takes away from the actual hunt? It's no, like, I I I think that ethics is a whole total personal to thing. Their, yeah, I don't know. care because I would look at it as yeah, it doesn't do much for me. Okay, but. The guys that can do it, they good freaking, on them. They put in the practice, man. They, absolutely, yeah. They, I mean, they good are for them, and that's if that's what if that's what gets them out hunting and supporting what we all believe in, man. Great, shoot it at five thousand yards. Yeah. You know, if you can do it, great. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm not that person. I don't care if it's a high fence. I don't care what it is. Whatever gets you out there. I mean, I, I I've hunted in a high fence. I've hunted out of it. I've shot things a long way. I've guided things animals a long way. I've, I've shot stuff nearly at the end of the barrel. You know, so it, I don't I don't care. Bow, crossbow, whatever. Go hunting. Hundred mm-hmm. percent agree. Uh, let's wrap it up with things that you say. <laughs> To a guy when he misses. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start. That's, that's a really good transition <laughs> yeah, yeah, into that. <laughs> well, you know, it depends how much you like the person, I guess. Uh, what, what, I, I, I think it, and it depends if you're a guide and you're getting paid. <laughs> if it was me and you, Cable. <laughs> how hard How hard are you working for this tip at the end of the hunt? <laughs> yeah, if, if it was me and you, Cable, and we're just out hunting and, you, and you've been looking for this buck all year and you, you messed up the shot, it may be, you may be catching a little bit more hell than the guy that's just paid me to be with him on this sheep hunt in Tajikistan, you know? Right, right. I, I shot this elk high two weeks ago, and the guy... He, How high? Like two inches, but oh. that's all it takes with a bow. Sure. So, um, I just I shot him for 40 yards, and he was 32 yards away, and the arrow was like... Eh. Did you find it? No. No, I didn't find it. The guide, though, he looks at me, and he actually meant this. He goes, you smoked him, dude. Great shot. He's like, I saw you were calm. You executed the shot perfectly. And I was like, dude, you saw the thing run off. The arrows, it's like maybe, maybe get the top of his lungs. Oh, in no man's land there. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the things is the, probably the greatest bow hunter in American history is, is, or is I mean, in international history definitely is Steve Cobrain. And Steve has an amazing quote about it. He said, the only thing as impressive as the killing power of an arrow is the non-killing power of an arrow. He double lunged a warthog and killed it a year later. Double lunged it. Yes. So I mean, I mean, you, you know, just things happen. Yeah. So, but things to say when you miss. It depends how much you like the person. I've said anything from cussing. <laughs> uh, one, I remember one time, a long time ago, I uh, threw the shooting sticks at a person. <laughs> <laughs> I was so mad. Uh, the guy's dead now, but I, I feel bad about it. But I was pissed, you know. I mean, we worked our ass off. <laughs> yeah. Well, so so. Oh, go ahead. Talk. Or to or to even is you know the the fun, the funniest one is it's not your fault. How is it not your fault? <laughs> you pulled the trigger. <laughs> it is absolutely one hundred and fifty percent your fault. Yeah. It was that three mile an hour crosswind that really got you. Yes. Yeah. So there is. Uh, oh, it, it was interesting for the guide to say you, you smoked him. And I was like, no, I don't think so. We found blood. We tracked it for 150 yards at the end of the day. It was like, it's probably fine, dude. I, here's the crazy thing is I think we got on that elk again the next day because I, he was on, we've killed them with arrows in them. They've oh, been in sure. there for years. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think literally because it was like 500 yards from where I shot, we were actually in there uh, looking 
went back to look for crows, you know, give it a good 48 hours before we, we called it off and we hear this bugle and we get into it with this elk and get to this meadow where he's going to be, you know, there's cows with him. They're all talking. The thing freaking ghosted us, like just disappeared. And that was the only elk the whole week that, that acted like that. And I think it was because this he is elk hunting. He recognized. This is what elk. happens. Well, yeah, but you're in the rut and these things. That was the only time that it just completely shut up and just disappeared. And he didn't wind us. The wind was right, so it was like, eh. He knew it was you. And he it had was six cents on yards you. from where I shot that thing. It's a lot of coincidence. Yeah, it's probably, yeah, I mean, it very well could have been. Yeah. Todd had one the other day. You talk about missing. They're on a stone sheep hunt, and you can really work your ass off on a stone sheep hunt. This is okay. day 11. Okay, of crawling night. around up there, mm. right? And he... The guy, he has a video. He, he shoots just under it at 450 yards. It's really heartbreaking right. to watch. It's this beautiful, black, gorgeous ram. And then what happened? The guy, they were talking about, oh, something's wrong with the rifle. And then the guy. Yeah, you know, you're, you're, you know, so we shoot that, and he shoots low, and then it goes to about 500 and shoot again. And, and, and this hunter, really, really, really nice guy and has a really good record of, of you know, shooting his last four or five sheep, probably an average of 500 through his last four or five sheep. So, you know he's very capable of it, and and then um, that's an that's an average shot on a sheep hunt, though. Well, was, you got to be prepared to. You got to be, be prepared for that. You're up and you can't you I can't say average, but you and, be and there where these rams were bedded were right on the ridge line. There was no way we were getting closer without chasing them. And this is literally the last three hours of an of uh, of of the hunt. And uh, so yeah, we're like okay, well you know we got to you know we got to think it's the gun. You know we were trying to put words in there. It's an awkward silence. We just worked our tails off for eleven days and. And then, um, well, maybe we should check the gun. And then, you know, one of us shoots the gun and it's perfect. Oh, wow. Awkward silence. So, but, it, well, then, well, it was, yeah. And then it's it goes not to, your fault. Then it goes, <laughs> then it goes to an awkward silence. But then the client's rational enough to go, okay, well, I screwed up. You guys did your job. I didn't do mine. I enjoy blaming people. <laughs> I mean, it's it, all it, your fault. I know what I was going to say. There you go. It's all your fault. About wounding when I, when I shot that elk. So in that situation, I didn't get my animal, but here's what I want to tell people. If you get a shot opportunity on a guided hunt, the outfitter did their job. It's, a, it's up to you at that point. You screwed I screwed it up. Yeah, the ball's in your court. Does that affect the amount of gratuity you should leave the guy? You probably should leave him more. Right, because then he had to spend four more days dicking around <laughs> with me. I mean, yeah, here, here, oh, I, I, I would say in any of these that. hunts, and this is coming from Todd and I are professionals, and this is what we've done for our lives, okay? And most people are listening to this. They 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 kind of think they are in the ways, you know, when they get – it's a weekend warrior. It's like the weekend warrior golfer, you know, and the weekend warrior hunter is not a big difference. You, you, you owe it to yourself, to your family that you're leaving, to the guy you're going hunting, to do – put yourself in as good of physical shape, mental shape, and, and as handy with your rifle – and aware of how you are, you know, we we're in society. We're not even aware, of, nowhere near aware of how noisy we are, uh -huh. you know. So to to put yourself in a position for success, and if your guy works his butt off and and you mess up and any, it, I mean, I understand those things happen, but it sure isn't his fault, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying it didn't it didn't affect the amount of like I didn't get my animal. Well, yes, cable, but you released an arrow, and right. at the end of the day. Once, once he's done his job and puts you on the elk, like, well, sorry. I mean, do, do, yeah, do you think there's – he did do, his job. You know, I, I've, I've seen people tip all sorts of things, you know. 
and my, my life. I mean, it, that you exorb it, it's so exorbitant you couldn't even imagine, you know, like life-changing things, and I've seen them not tip anybody anything. Yeah. And um, I think that the, the tipping situation is how you feel about it, you know, and a best thing, even if you didn't like it, always, I think always tip like you're, you're coming back and then you'll feel like you did it. You know, there's so many things that are outside of your power and outside of the guide's power on a hunting trip. Did you enjoy your time on this? Forget about the animal. Did you enjoy your time? You know, for, you have to be honest to yourself. Did you know, I screwed it up or whoever screwed it up? These things happen. Did I have a good time here? Mm-hmm. You know, do I want to come back here? And if, if the guy really did screw something up and he was total, you know, it's like getting bad service at a restaurant. Do you, you know, if you don't want to freaking tip them, don't tip them. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that, but if you enjoyed the time, this, this, I mean, there's, there's an extreme amount of success in just going, having fun with somebody. Well, the $200 guided duck hunt versus an elk hunt versus an African safari, all very different. But like, is there an industry standard percent for... 10 to 15 percent probably okay yeah. you know i'd hate to give somebody 20 bucks on a duck hunt though i mean go ahead and give the guy 100 bucks you know <laughs> yeah. he well, got i say minimum 50 bucks on a duck hunt minimal if you're if you're 200 150 bucks 200 bucks let's you know, just say that's you, a different crowd than going after I'll, so I'll, like, I'll tell you right now if you todd and i went somewhere duck hunting mm-hmm. and we had the best duck hunt ever i would say i'd be i'd feel 100 percent paying the guy up to three days of what that costs you know, if, if let's say we spent five hundred dollars, right, or or two fifty a person to be there, right? Right. Let's give the guy freaking another day or two. You know, he this was the if it was the best duck hunting experience we ever had, right? Uh-huh. Now you probably wouldn't do that on a on a sixty thousand dollar African hunt or international hunt or whatever, or even a hunt here in the United States. But nonetheless, yeah. Well, I think the best piece of advice on the international hunts is just ask someone that's done it. Hey, what is a or hell. Ask your pH. What right. is a what is a good tip? Well, most of the time they're going to come out with a little thing, and they're going to have you a little book and say, "Here's everybody who is a staff. How much you yeah, want to give this guy?" Yeah, the staff stuff's usually already pretty. And, and dude, it standard. always it seems to always come out to about ten to fifteen percent. If it's a ten thousand dollar hunt, you know, it's going to come out to a thousand fifteen hundred bucks. If it was a hundred thousand dollar hunt, you won't see it get to. I mean, you can. I've seen them tip way more than that, but generally it's going to be around that ten thousand dollar range. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what. My PH said to me one time after I missed a, uh, we'd been belly crawling around chasing these spring buck around this plane for a long time, most of the day. And they ended up somehow, something spooked them and they were running towards us and this beautiful black spring buck. He's probably like 300 yards away and I'm prone laying there and I shoot and I miss. Okay. And he goes. G D cable U C U N. Yeah. But it's a spring buck. Chill out. <laughs> We're talking about a spring buck here. Yeah. Now in this case that might that might have negatively affected his tip, you know. No. <laughs> this was our third safari together, so we had a good report. You're on, maybe, you're on maybe, that level. The, of, and, yeah. and after that, maybe you weren't going there for the hunting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're willing to take that type of abuse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, I certainly appreciate you dropping by the studio, uh, Corey, making a return visit. Todd, visiting from uh, British Columbia. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, we're going, we're going elephant hunting. Everybody, keep your fingers crossed for our safety. We're going to come back and give uh, Cable a report, and hopefully, when we're able to bring in elephants again, we're going to give Cable a, a, a gift that he can talk about later. 
It's off a certain part of the elephant. I don't want to eat elephant <laughs> in here. It's going to be a really good showpiece in this studio. No, I don't have the ivory. I have something else. <laughs> All right. You guys be good. All right. Thanks. Thank you. So there you have it. Corey Knowlton and Todd Bissenden. A lot of fun having them in studio for an off-the-cuff discussion, that's for sure. Uh, that segment brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy with locations in Marion and San Antonio, Texas. Josh and Becky Gunther have been taking care of all of my trophy mounts for going on, well, it's over a decade now, whether that's an African safari, a snook from the Florida coast that Aaron just caught. They're going to do a nice replica of that. A Texas whitetail, a mallard, you name it. They do it all. Amazing work, fast turnaround time. They answer the phone when I call. You can find them at gr, the number eight, mounts.com. Unfortunately, we are out of time for today. Thanks to our guests. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. We wouldn't be here without their support. Thanks to you guys and gals for being a part of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. I'm a sucker for some harmony